you Let me leak the name of Mike Flynn? I leaked nothing to nobody, and never have and never would. And I will tell you, that attack on children yesterday had a big impact on me. Big impact. That my attitude toward Syria and Assad has changed very much with a chemical gas that is so lethal. People were shocked to hear what gas it was. That crosses many, many lines beyond a red line. Many, many lines. It's time to make America great again. Join the movement. Caruso, the Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. Time to dream big. Informative, insightful, and valiant leadership. Telling it the way it is to make a difference. All right, Wednesday, April 5th, 2017. Welcome to the Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. We are almost through the week already. It goes by very fast. So uh, welcome to the program Today, so yesterday we spent the entire hour of the podcast, we did a little over an hour, talking about surveillance, uh, the latest details as it pertains to the law, the unmasking of American names, the illegal leaking that is a felony of the Espionage Act. We went through all the details of the reporting that proves that President Trump was surveilled by the Obama administration. Now, I added all of that to the article, and I also... Uh, spoke with a former FBI official, can't tell you his name, spoke on condition of uh, anonymity today, but um, spoke with him on the phone, and he told me that the FISA warrant, which, let me just go over that piece of it again. FISA, the Foreign Intelligence uh, Surveillance Court, which is a covert court we should not even know, we don't know where the location is, we should not even know what warrants are issued out of that court, but we do know that in Jen, thanks to leaks, that in June 2016, the Obama administration requested surveillance warrant that was denied. Now, it is very rarely denied, which means that it was seen as a political purpose to it. In October, a month before the election, they were granted a FISA warrant, Obama's Justice Department was, to surveil the Trump Tower computer that had uh, alleged links to Russian banks that we find out later was uh, a connection by an Indiana University professor, an Arctic Clinton supporter, who made the connection. And the FBI official told me today, I mean, they should, she should be um, investigated for that. And if that's true, she goes to jail. Um, and the FBI found no connection between uh, the president and Russia. And it's been an eight-month extravaganza of a uh, political hit job talking about Russia when what are the facts that we know? We'll get into this. Uh, we'll keep mentioning it. Russia did not change any votes. They may have tried to meddle in our election. They've also tried to meddle in our election since the 1970s, and they've also are meddling in France's election now. How come we didn't upgrade our cybersecurity? In terms of that. Now, FISA, um, according to this FBI official that I spoke with today, it's a little bit 
it's not a rubber stamp, but it's close to it in terms of very little probable cause needed to prove that you need a warrant. Now, in any other court, you need probable cause to search. You know, the Fourth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution protects American citizens against unreasonable search and seizure. Now, in 2015, citing the USA Patriot Act, the Obama administration was able to change the way that the FISA court operates. And after 9-11, the USA Patriot Act was enacted, makes it easier to conduct surveillance on a national security standard. All the administration has to do, and this means the current administration as well, all they have to do is we need to surveil this person because of national security reasons. They don't need to say much more, and the FISA um, is so easy to get apparently that otherwise surveillance could surveillance warrants and wiretapping could take FBI officials up to six months, according to the FBI uh, former FBI official that I spoke with today. Uh, FISA warrants, he told me, are quote, granted pretty easily. Um, so what does that go to tell you? It goes to tell you that it is very plausible here that the Obama administration, and there are there's in-depth reporting on this from both Bloomberg and Fox News saying that it was a political motivation. And we went over all the details yesterday on yesterday's podcast. So if you really want to know the details as it pertains to surveillance and what happened and every single drawn out, because I did it for an hour yesterday, go on to the Tuesday episode 42 of the Neil A. Crystal Show podcast on April 4th, and you'll be able to hear um, all of the details that we now know, you know, between Susan Rice, who lied about Benghazi. She also lied that Sergeant Bo Bergdahl uh, served the United States with honor and distinction and wasn't simply a hostage. We, also, we now know that he is facing court-martial over desertion. Um, you know, we know that the Obama administration knew the night of about the Benghazi attack when four Americans died as a result of a terrorist attack, but they said it was a spontaneous protest because they just showed up with mortars at a protest. Unbelievable. And we, we lose a U.S. ambassador. We lose uh, two CIA operatives and Navy SEALs and an information officer as well that night and Susan Rice went on five Sunday shows to lie about it so what makes her credibility about this whole, I mean what gives her any sense of credibility today when she says that she didn't know anything well she says that two weeks ago and then she knows a hell of a lot on MSNBC on Monday talking about unmasking and what the details are for that so now Susan Rice I just want to play another clip of that because we didn't play the entire interview because I'm not going to give MSNBC all this credit but I will play for you today Susan Rice was asked by Andrea Mitchell and really they didn't get into a lot of questions that I would have asked Susan Rice was asked about the pace being accelerated was it when when Trump was elected was the pace accelerated were you and watch how she this is key here she contradicts herself at the very beginning in answering the question and at the very end she contradicts herself in terms of was the pace accelerated? Now that Trump was elected, were you rushing? Now what we know is that the Obama administration, days before they left, they left a trail of intelligence leaks to be picked up by intelligence agencies and be leaked in the media, illegally leaked in the media. And they also extended the NSA's um, surveillance operations, allowing them to share 
globally intercepted communications like that of General Michael Flynn, which was illegally leaked to the media and unmasked, possibly illegally. Unmasking does not happen unless in rare circumstances. And so we know the Obama administration rushed to preserve this intelligence and let it be shared in the large bureaucracy so that there was no accountability. Now, with that in mind, did the pace accelerate? This was the question to the former NSA director, Susan Rice, on MSNBC on Monday. Take a listen to how she contradicts herself. Did the pace accelerate during the transition, perhaps in early December, uh, perhaps when the president ordered an investigation into the hacking, the Russian hacking? Did the pace of unmasking requests, of your unmasking requests, accelerate toward the end of the White House tenure? And I can't say the pace of un unmasking requests would accelerate, but if you're asking where there are more reports provided to senior U.S. officials after the president requested the compilation of the intelligence, which uh, was ultimately um, provided in January, yes. What happened was, as the IC went about the business, the intelligence community the intelligence went about the business of following up on the president's of order, fulfilling the president's request for such a report, they went back and scrubbed more reports. They began to provide more such reports to American officials, including myself. And did you make more requests to find the identity of Americans who had been picked up in incidental collection? I, I'm not asking you the substance which I know work is classified, but were there more instances where at the, the tail end of the administration that you had to make, that you felt you had to make those requests to follow up on the raw data you were looking at? Andrea, I really can't be particular about the pace because understand that over eight years, uh, for me and others who served, it was not uncommon. In fact, it was necessary at times to make those requests to find out the identity of U.S. officials on every topic under the sun when it seemed relevant. I don't have a particular recollection of doing that more frequently after the election, for example, than doing so before. Was there a particular focus on Russia uh, because of the conversations with the Russian ambassador, because of the expulsion, around the time of the expulsion, December 26th? Uh, the decision to sanction Russia and expel a large number of uh, alleged spies or diplomats. Well, Andrea, from basically August through the end of the administration, we were hearing more and more, getting more and more information about Russian interference in our electoral process. It was of grave concern to all of us in the national security team of the president and the president himself. So we took this issue very seriously. Um, we thought it was crucial to defend the integrity of our election process and to be able to respond appropriately to what the Russians did to understand uh, the full extent of their involvement. So, yes, there was a pace of reporting that accelerated as the intelligence community got more and more information on that and shared it with U.S. officials. I don't recall with any precision the volume as it you know, may have peaked or spiked at different stages, but I can say that from uh, you know when this first came to light in intelligence channels to when the administration ended, we got more and more information. Wait, so did the pace accelerate or not? Because in the beginning, and see if I'm Andrea Mitchell there, I start corner, cornering her on this. Because she said that the pace did not accelerate. Then she said that um, she has no recollection of, of it, of the pace accelerating. And then later she says, so the pace did accelerate. Which one is it? Do you not have a recollection? Did it accelerate or did it uh, not accelerate? Well, I mean, uh, 
just the confusing answer here by the former NSA director, and it goes to show you that she's covering up something. All right, and listen, can we trust her when she lied on five Sunday news shows in one day, pushing the fact that the Benghazi attack where four Americans died was a result of a video when it is not? And I went over that yesterday, and how that actually made people believe that, and people are walking through life believing that the Benghazi attack was a result of a video to push a political narrative that is just false. It is, you know, they, they love to call out President Trump, this was wrong. This was fake news in 2011. Uh, or 2012, excuse me, when the attack happened. Uh, and during a re-election. All for Obama to win re-election. Beautiful, right? Um, so, listen. We know that the surveillance happened. We talked about this yesterday. This story is not going to go away, despite the media literally up in arms saying they cannot cover this. And we played the clip for you yesterday. Uh I'll play a little sample of it right now. Here are our words. CNN. There is no evidence of any wrongdoing. And in fact, if anything, the NSA asking for identities was a reflection of exactly how much traffic there was involving Trump people and foreign players. That's their narrative. We're not even going to cover it, they said. That's Jake Tapper, by the way, on CNN on Monday. We're not even going to cover it. It did not happen. It cannot happen. Well, listen, go to neilacruzzo.com. We have all the reports, okay, that includes the New York Times, NBC News, ABC News, CBS News, The Guardian. They're all in here, okay? And we compiled all of it. Now, a lot of it is from illegal leaks, and it's their own reporting. We just connected the dots for you, okay? And the intelligence did happen, and we're learning more and more every day. And then I find out today from someone who can speak to this as a former FBI agent, that the Pfizer requests are so easy to get with little probable cause that the it, it is very plausible that it was done for a political reason. That's just on one aspect of it. But the political, um, the spying of a political adversary goes back very far. And we talked about Evelyn Varkas, who is the uh, assistant deputy, former assistant deputy uh, defense secretary, and she said she was urging her colleagues, not just at the um, Defense Department and within intelligence, but also Capitol Hill. And she also was an ardent supporter of Hillary Clinton, endorsed her, and uh, she not only said that on MSNBC on March 2nd, but you go back to October... And she was talking about that if Trump won, there would be, you know, uh, there would be uproar. And that they need to do everything that they can. Her words, okay? We have a lot of presidential historians who put uh, forward a very coherent argument. They've given us examples, as Evelyn Farkas, of all the horrible presidents in the past and the fact that we have endured. And we do have a strong system of checks and balances. And actually, if Donald Trump were elected... I believe he would be impeached pretty quickly or somebody else would have to take over government. And I am not even joking. This is according to the former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense, Evelyn Varkas, October 26th at a global leadership conference. Then after the election, March 2nd, she's saying that she was urging when Trump did win, she was urging her colleagues to, on Capitol Hill to make it political. She was urging the administration to gather as much intelligence as possible on the administration. 
Now, she should be testifying. As Susan writes, under oath, we need answers. Okay? This is very damaging and damning and alarming for the future. Why would anyone run for president now when I guess anyone can be spied on? Not just you and me. Yeah, we could be spied on. And it's not for national security purposes. They're using national security as a uh, as a mask, no pun intended, as a guise to, you know, as a ruse for really spying on someone that they don't agree with, that they're vehemently opposed to, that literally believe he is going to be destruction. Now, you heard him in the intro clip. He's got more crap to deal with than this. And knowing that not only he, but his family was surveilled in a political effort against him. You know, with the Hillary Clinton campaign, we'll stop at nothing. They are dirty politics personified. And the Obama administration and all their sneaky tactics, sending billions to Iran, the largest state sponsor of terror, and all of their, you know, the red line in Syria, okay, which was not enforced. And then you look at and that was in 2013, and now you fast forward four years, and they're doing the same thing again. Bashar al-Assad and the Syrian regime, they gassed their own people the other day. Women and children dying in Syria. And so you have not only the president today, who was with the king of Jordan, and discussing ways to move forward to defeat this radicalism, but you have Nikki Haley, the ambassador, U.S. ambassador to the U.N., and she says, you know, Russia better get it on top. And this is where, listen, the Trump administration is not pro-Russia. I don't know where this narrative started because it's so false and it has no connection whatsoever. And it doesn't make any sense, okay? Russia has to step up now. And if they don't speak out against Bashar al-Assad, then the Trump administration will have action if the UN doesn't do their job because the UN has never done their job okay they come together they have their coffee and their and their cakes and you know they come together and say you know this is what we're gonna do and we're gonna just start monitoring Aleppo that was the conversation before the election you know when Aleppo was being ripped to shreds still is and it's a complete war zone and there were attacks on a on what's supposed to be a uh humanitarian location and the UN comes out and says, well, we're going to monitor the situation in Aleppo and see if we need to take action. Okay, now, t this week, you have Bashar al-Assad throwing gas on his own people, gassing them, killing them, okay? And Trump said, it changed me. It changed President Trump, and he now sees the evil in the globe. And it's not, it's not the United States that's evil here. Okay, now, should we be getting involved in their conflict? Well, you could argue both ways, but I think that that conflict that's going on in Syria that is related to how we deal with Russia, who can annihilate us, okay, and they have the tools to do so, when North Korea is sending over missiles to Japan and they're building up their nuclear weapons, and Iran is possibly building up their arm, you know, their arsenal, okay, after receiving billions of dollars from the Obama administration in cash. I mean, what the hell? Sending cash to the largest state sponsor of terror. 
and you have all of these foreign policy issues while his own intelligence is spying on him. I mean, do you really want to be the president right now? It's a mess. Now, Trump said today that he was handed a mess, but he's going to fix it. And listen, he works tirelessly. Thank God we do have Trump because the thing about him is that he has so much energy and he truly wants to be successful and really wants to be the best, that it's the best president that we've ever had. But, you know, you look at the situation in Syria, for example. Russia is Syria's largest arms supplier with at least $3.4 billion in weapons deliveries since 2008. So, you know, Syria was supposed to have no chemical weapons left. And, of course, the red line in 2013, Obama was—they crossed this red line. They used chemical weapons on their people, which they did. We're going to stop them. Well, we did absolutely nothing, and now we're in the same position that we were in 2013, and maybe worse. So it's not going to be enough to just condemn it. Now, Trump is smart in saying, I'm not going to uh, tell you what I'm going to do, because if I do that, it's they're going to know, and they're going to be prepared for it. So militarily, you can't say what you're going to do. Uh, but the UN, they failed to do anything in Syria in terms of Aleppo. Okay, and the UN is, is uh, or Nikki Haley rather, is calling on the UN to wake up and act on this. And not only condemn this, issue sanctions and get Bashar al-Assad, this murderer, out of there. And if Russia doesn't step up, then they have to condemn Russia. Okay, so this is very intertwined and of course Trump is being very careful in who he's criticizing which is you know surprising people think well President Trump just you know he shoots from the hip that's really not true because if you saw how he gets he's a counter puncher you criticize him he'll, he'll criticize you right back but when it comes to foreign policy it seems like he doesn't want to criticize anyone does not want to ruffle any feathers because he doesn't want any problems and he has enough problems on his plate between the situation in syria now okay with innocent people dying and he said to see the could the well he didn't use the word carnage but i'll use the word carnage to see what's going on in syria and to see the women and children dying of this of this chemical these chemical weapons it changed him and I think a lot of people were surprised that he said that. But listen, it's sickening, okay? It's a sick world, and there's a lot of crap that is going on in this world between, you know, innocent Americans being spied on masked, and between people, I mean, it's like, it's not even 2017. I mean, people being gassed in their own country. Now... Um, some reporting in terms of refugees and immigrants coming into our country. Most of them are coming from Iran, but the ones we are admitting into the U.S. are those who are need our help. Okay, these are people who have no home. Um, these are people who uh, have had to escape, uh, you know, murderous regimes and. You know, people that need to be taken care of. So there are um, there are refugees that are being admitted, but Trump has slowed it down to make sure that the ones that are being admitted are the are the ones in the most dire circumstances, uh, wherever they're coming from. You know, but 
with this situation in Syria, do we really need any Syrians coming here? Not knowing, you know, what's, uh, who is an al-Assad uh, regime supporter or, or who is a, I mean, they're going to lie about their affiliation anyway. And we don't have any information on them. We'll let the most dire people in. But when it comes to uh, people coming in as refugees and immigrants, let's build a safe zone in Syria. Now, that was a campaign promise. Build a safe zone in Syria. Get the UN help out there and make sure that citizens are protected. And that innocent lives, more innocent lives aren't taken by this murderer, al-Assad, in Syria. So... You know, you have a lot on on the plate for President Trump. And, you know, regardless, he's winning anyway in terms of jobs. And um, we're going to get into that on uh, the other side of the break. But, you know, you have a, a president who wants to be successful. And you have all of these foreign policy issues that we knew were going to happen. But it's even worse than, than one could imagine. And it's disgusting. It's vile. That's the real hatred in the world. Not, you know, a Pepsi commercial. Which I'll bring up uh, when we come back and talk about this. You know, they're pulling this advertisement because it was against Black Lives Matter. We'll talk about that. Um, but just, it's terrible what's going on right now in this world. And they are so worried about Trump ruining the country. Just look at the rest of the world. We're lucky we have Trump. We are so lucky. We'll be back with more on the Neil A. Crusoe Show podcast on this hump day. Get engaged. I mean, what are you thinking about, Jerry? Marriage? Family? Oh. They're prisons! <laughs> Man-made prisons! You're doing time! Not that type of engagement. Get engaged with the Neela Caruso Show podcast by subscribing on iTunes and following Neela Caruso on Twitter, Instagram, and his official Facebook page so you don't miss out on the important things in life. The Neela Caruso Show podcast. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel. And a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds? At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Indoor baseball, anyone? Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update! I'm gonna let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. Neil Crusoe is the man. He's like a fine wine. Every day goes by, I get to appreciate 
his genius more and more. Stay tuned to the Neil A. Caruso Show podcast. All right, we are back on the Neil A. Caruso Show podcast on this April 5th. Um, so the USA Today is reporting um, that Speaker Paul Ryan uh, may take months for Republicans to draft the new Obamacare repeal. What are your thoughts on that? Um, as far as what I think, because I've hammered on this House bill and Paul Ryan was a mess in putting this together, um, take your time, slow down, get it right. That's the message that I would send. Um, and, you know, it's more about we've had, you know, we talked with uh, Dr. Robert Grayboys of the Mercatus Center at George Mason, a uh, healthcare policy expert, in terms of, you know, what should go into a healthcare legislation. Uh, forget about the process for a moment. Um, let's talk about the policy. And Speaker Paul Ryan saying it's going to take months, that's fine. Get it done right because it should have, first of all, it should have been drafted well before the November election because they've been talking about repeal and replace for seven and a half years. But now at this point, since it's not going to get done uh, overnight, um, meet with the Freedom Caucus. And this is where, you know, the art of the deal comes into play. You know, I criticized uh, President Trump for— uh, going after the Freedom Caucus on Twitter, mentioning them by name, because I said, listen, you need the Freedom Caucus. And, you know, they have conservative ideas that will lower prices, and you need to work with them. So by hammering them, I don't know if that's the smartest idea, but I think I'm wrong again. Um, because, you know, while you need the Freedom Caucus, it seems like President Trump lit a fire under their butts, and they're coming together. You have Rand Paul... Uh, with President Trump last weekend for seven hours talking about health care. And they say that they're getting closer. Uh, they're working on things and revising it. And I think they're going to start over with this bill, which thank God, because it was a real crappy bill. Um, and it seems like now they're actually coming to get together and they're better than they were before. So remember, part of the art of the deal, and I read the art of the deal and I've highlighted in it, Part of the art of the deal is to know when to step away. Know when to walk away from the table. And he knew when it was, you know, we weren't going to get the votes, step away. And frankly, better off. Uh, because it wasn't a good bill. It wasn't going to lower the prices enough. Um, I understand this was Trump's biggest legislative push. And he didn't succeed immediately. But he will, and he'll, he'll emerge better than he did, uh, than he would have with this original bill. Now, he'll start tackling tax reform, uh, and he's working on that now as more jobs numbers uh, come out. In fact, uh, March uh, numbers, um, the estimated um, uh, private sector jobs added in March was 170,000. The actual jobs added in the month of March, 263,000 Private sector jobs. Big league. Big league jobs. And, you know, you look at this, and it's funny because, you know, I was thinking the Obama administration, when they had um, some job growth, which really wasn't as much as this is, they weren't seeing it in the manufacturing industries. They weren't seeing it um, in uh, in blue-collar work. We're seeing it more in technology. And the actual numbers were not um, – we're not exceeding expectations to this level. A lot of it, a lot of them were flat, but it, it really did not. When you have an estimate of one hundred seventy thousand, and it actually, it turns out to be two hundred sixty-three thousand jobs added in March. I mean, nearly 
100,000 more jobs than estimated. I mean, that goes to show you the power of a president who understands business, okay? And to have a businessman in the White House, let me tell you, I mean, you have someone who's been in real estate and in business his whole life since he was young. And, you know, yesterday, and I didn't get to talk about this because we really needed to get on the surveillance and, and hammer on that. But, you know, yesterday they had um, – uh, they they spoke with union leaders, and the unions love Trump, which is amazing to me. It's fascinating because typically they hate Republicans because they're against – I mean Republicans, frankly, they're against union unions. They favor, um, you know uh, – you to seek out your own uh, your own job without having to uh, organize, right? And you earn based on what you deserve and not necessarily given all these benefits that come packaged with the union. Now, a lot of people like unions. There's no problem. You can have mixed political views, although unions, though, are really not that popular today. And, and many, I mean, teaching it is, but in many industries, unions aren't as uh, powerful as they once were. But the... Building uh, union, they, the, the construction unions love President Trump. And because he speaks their language, you know, when he's able to show this huge list that is taller than he is, and he's a tall man, um, of all of the bureaucracy and all the approvals that need to be accomplished when you are um, seeking a construction project. And sometimes it could take five years and you may find out that you won't even get the construction job, which will hurt your growth as a company, may put you out of business, and will hurt American jobs. Well, President Trump said, we're cutting out this bureaucracy. We're getting rid of it, okay? And you are now going to have um, in, uh, a path to create jobs for Americans— at a uh, at a less strenuous paperwork regulations, um, you know, way of doing things, you know, and so when you look at that and you see manufacturing jobs going up and up, and you see coal mining in in February going up uh, eight thousand jobs in coal mining, they're coming back. Okay, they didn't all go because of technology. Yeah, technology will take away some jobs and innovation, but they'll create new ones. That money has gone largely. Uh, either to Silicon Valley or overseas, that needs to be repatriated back. So tax reform is a big part of this. You know, repatriate money for a 15% corporate rate so that's invested in America and America and American workers. The auto industry has come back big league. And you have uh, over $100 billion being invested in the U.S., much of it coming from Ford and Toyota, Alibaba. Um, so many of the American automakers, General Motors, so what you're seeing is really a return, a rise of American jobs. Now, you know, they're, I'm hearing a lot of criticism today. Well, you know, uh, President Trump said that he was going to hammer in China. And by the way, he's meeting with him in Mar-a-Lago this weekend is uh, with Xi Jinping, the Chinese president, where he's going to tackle trade. And he started tackling trade last week in some um, executive in an executive order, putting America workers first. And you're having now talk today about climate change that I'm hearing, and the Times reported on this, and uh, liberals are saying, well, how could he abandon these climate change policies? Okay, first of all, he never abandoned any climate change policies, so you're wrong. That's fake news. Okay, what did he do? He eased up on the EPA regulations that are stifling business growth. Do you want a job, or do you want to cry about the climate? All right? 
um, you know, recycle. Okay, I mean, what, what do you want me to say to that? There's not much that we can do. And people are saying, well, you know, China is going to become the leader in climate change. Well, good for them. They've been the leader in gas emissions for the last, you know, uh, decades, okay? And uh, the United States emits less than they do. China has the uh, largest population. They have, you know, in a, such a crammed space. People are wearing masks in China. Okay, so I'm not too concerned about China beating us on climate change. All right, they should do their part, as we do, with recycling and with basic things like that, going green, okay? But at the same rate, let's also make sure that Americans have jobs and manufacturing is coming back, and that's important. That's the blue-collar American worker who works on to put money, to put food on their table, and to invest in, in their family and education, okay? And education is another piece of this whole conversation and I think on Sunday before we because we won't have a show on Easter um I considered it <laughs> I did consider it uh we won't have a show on Easter next uh on Sunday I'm thinking about just going over this Trump agenda again what does he accomplish what does he checked off his list so that's you know if you if you think I should do that tweet at me let me know if you think I should do that um some so uh, some entertainment media stories today that grabbed a lot of headlines. Um, Pepsi, number one, pulled this Kendall Jenner advertisement after backlash. If you haven't seen it, I can't play it because I don't know what the uh, copyright is and I don't want to get in trouble here, so I'm not going to play the advertisement. But what Pepsi had was an advertisement where Jenner, uh, Kendall Jenner, uh, is seen approaching a police officer and handing him a can of Pepsi as a demonstration carries on. Now, the ad received a lot of backlash on social media with some charging that it was making light of the Black Lives Matter movement. Number one, okay, how can you make light of a Black Lives, radical Black Lives Matter movement who shouts, what do we want, dead cops, when do we want it now? Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. What do we want dead cops? When do we want it now? That's what Black Lives Matter stands for. They are anti-police, okay? They are anti-law enforcement. They just want total anarchy. They throw rocks at police. They uh, set off fires on campuses. And they ruin our public. You want to talk about climate change? Well, tell these Black Lives Matter, you know, jerks to stop setting our planet on fire. And so that's what they stand for. So I'm not too worried about ticking them off. And the advertisement was pretty apolitical. Unfortunately, you can't have an advertisement. And listen, I'm not a Jenner fan, not a Kardashian fan at all, okay? I don't support them. I don't like them. But the advertisement to me, all she did was hand a freaking can of Pepsi to a police officer. What's so wrong with that? And and the message it seemed like was promoting unity, that demonstrations are fine, as long as they're peaceful. But we don't see peaceful protests anymore. We see anarchy. We see fires. We see riots. We see people throwing mace in Trump supporters' faces. That if you're a conservative, if you are wearing a Make America Great Again hat, it is thrown on the ground and set on fire. You're smacked in the face. You're sent to the hospital. That's what these radical protesters, rioters, are doing. And so we don't see protests anymore. We see riots. We see total anarchy. Um, so uh, 
The advertisement I had no problem with because it was peaceful. It, it promoted peaceful protests. Fine. It didn't make a statement on either way. Handing a can of Pepsi to a police officer, as far as I'm concerned, is not a political statement. Uh, Pepsi issued this statement saying Pepsi was trying to project a global message of unity, peace, and understanding. Clearly, we missed a mark and we apologize. We did not intend to make light of any serious issue. We are removing the content and halting any further rollout. We also apologize for putting Kendall Jenner in this position. Uh, Jenner said she was uh, thrilled to join the legendary roster of icons who worked for Pepsi. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunate, okay, that everything is just made to be outrage, okay? And I have I don't have a problem with the advertisement. I have a problem with the outrage over this. I mean, if these are the world problems that we're concerned with, when we have, I mean, literally, if you want, I shouldn't say the word literally because I sound like a snowflake when I say that. <laughs> when you have a situation in Syria, a true civil rights humanitarian crisis, of people being gassed to death by their own government. And people are more concerned today about Kendall Jenner handing a can of Pepsi in a commercial to a police officer. Seriously? These are your world problems that you're going to pick on? So I have a problem with the outrage. I'm outraged over what's going on in Syria. I am outraged um, about the surveillance of Trump that can be surveillance of any of us for political reasons, for a political motive. Where are the civil rights attorneys on that case? Instead, they're too concerned about Black Lives Matter being upset. You know, this is what people are concerned about. It's backwards. It really is. And there was an advertisement. Apparently, uh, Nivea had to pull a, um, an advertisement today um, because they were, they were blasted for... Uh, quote, white supremacy um, uh, allegations. Uh, and because at the bottom of the advertisement was a, a commercial from the German skincare company uh, that read, quote, white is purity. It had nothing to do with the race. I think it was just about um, uh, the cream is white. I mean, you know, but people were flipping out. This became a social media craze. Nivea uh, pulled the advertisement and uh, removed it uh, yesterday over concerns about, quote, ethnic discrimination. I mean, it's unbelievable, though, the fights that people pick. I mean, over a, a cream. I mean, what, is the cream supposed to be black? Would that make things better? I don't get it. I really don't. Um, and they make all these charges. I mean, look, Steve Bannon today, who the whole purpose of his job at the National Security Council was a temporary position— and it was never supposed to be a full-time position for him. He is the chief strategist, okay? Um, and he has a full-time position in the cabinet in the White House. And so because then he worked for Breitbart, which is a um, controversial conservative outlet, which, listen, they, they um, aggregate a lot. They, they do cover news. It's not fake news. They do cover a lot of things, good things on there. Now, a lot of it can be, you know, a little too over the line. I get it. And he was the, the former editor there. Okay. But he's chief strategist in the White House. And he stepped down or did not step down. Excuse me. He was let go of his position because he finished his job 
or whatever it was, where they stepped down or was let go. I don't know what the difference is. When he finished his job at the National Security Council, it's not a, you know, they love to make the line of Trump is shaking up or the White House is being shaken up and there's disarray. That's what they're trying to uh, portray. And it's just not true. Okay, his job is finished at the National Security Council. He has a full-time job as a chief strategist in the White House. Okay, and the only reason why he had a national security type of position was in terms of organization and seeing what the hell was going on in there. This is why President Trump needs to keep his inner circle tight, which includes Ivanka Trump and God bless her and Jared Kushner. Okay, because if President Trump trusts them, he deserves to have them in there. Okay, by the way, Talk about phony outrage. Where's the media over the outrage over the Clintons? Okay, and all the jobs that, you know, the Clintons had. Um, Hillary working on the health care reform for Bill. And, uh, you know, the first lady having, uh, first lady Hillary Clinton having a lot of responsibility. And then Senator Hillary Clinton, right? Um, and the Kennedys. And all the jobs that, that they gave to their family members. So where's the outrage over that? Oh, they're Democrats, so it doesn't matter. Got it. Okay. Meanwhile, Ivanka Trump, who is not an ideologue whatsoever. In fact, you can make an argument that she has more liberal views or a more democratic outlook. I'm going to say liberal because liberal has a bad connotation. She has a more democratic outlook on things. She's from New York City, um, as is Trump. She, I don't see any of the Trumps as ideologues. Kushner is someone who has been a confidant. I mean— if this was anyone else, if this was the Clintons, Kennedys, Obama, if he hired Michelle for something, there would be, oh, that's so great that that he trusts their family so much. And then with Trump, it's, how could you be hiring your family as nepotism? Listen, he's part of his inner circle, Ivanka and Jared Kushner. Um, he trusts them, and right now, trust is hard to come by in Washington. And, and when you look at what's going on in terms of surveillance— and you look at what's going on um, with foreign policy, intelligence, who can he trust in Washington? I don't know what the answer is. I'm not there. But I can tell you that there are very few people the president can rely on, and he needs to keep his people tight. But God bless him. He's bringing jobs back. I said on Sunday that the Trump policies are helping people already, and we're not even 100 days in. He wasn't given a honeymoon. He's being thrown into all these foreign policy issues, North Korea, Iran, Russia, Syria. The real issue with Russia is what will they do about the Assad regime? The election, you know, eight months of this meddling into the election. Okay, it's just has no weight to it. But the surveillance not even being covered, not even a story. And that's why we'll continue to cover that for you right here on the Neil A. Cruz Show podcast. And we didn't talk about Neil Gorsuch today, but we will get into that tomorrow because they're, they have a plagiarism charge against him. The outrage over Neil Gorsuch, God forbid Republicans have a put a conservative justice when they knew that it was going to happen. And we'll talk about borking and the uh, bird rule. And when it comes to, well, it looks like they're going to have to go with the nuclear option. But, you know, the smearing that is going on in D.C. So we'll cover that all for you. Uh, we'll get into Supreme Court conversation tomorrow, but I guarantee you, Neil Gorsuch will be a justice on the Supreme Court uh, sometime on Friday or Saturday. So we'll have it all covered for you as we roll along on this week of the Neil A. Cruz Show podcast, bringing you insight like no one else is doing. 
So we'll see you tomorrow, folks. Until then, God bless you, and God bless America. By the way, let's go Mets. The Neil A. Caruso Show podcast is a production of Caruso Enterprises. Engaging, informing, and entertaining. Passion-driven, factual content that makes a difference following Neil A. Caruso on social media. And log on to neilacaruso.com to sign up for Caruso's comments, newsletters, and be the first to know.